0: Hi, Jim. How are you? Happy New Year.
1: Well, Happy New Year to you. This is January the 1st, the beginning of a new year, at least by the calendar, (laughs) although it's a continuation of yesterday. But nonetheless, it gives uh, people an opportunity to reflect upon uh, what has happened in the past and uh, uh, make certain changes in their lives if they want to or need to and to go forward in the new year with... A renewed uh, enthusiasm. Uh, We recently, that is my wife and I, recently concluded a series dealing with the hope, love, joy, and peace that accompany the uh, season of this year, Christmas season, and the meanings of all of those from a Christian perspective. And today we read about facing the new year and to uh, look forward to the Lord's blessing and that our hope might be strengthened, according to Romans 15, 13. In any case, uh, John, you and I started this podcast uh, episode, number 35 yesterday, uh, dealing with the book of Habakkuk. I titled this, How Habakkuk the Prophet Speaks to Us Today. Little would we imagine that a somewhat obscure prophet among the minor prophets of the Old Testament with a strange name, Habakkuk, uh, has a message as contemporary as uh, today's newspaper But that is the case, and we began discussing that yesterday, and that was part one, so today we continue with episode 36, part two. Yesterday, we dealt with uh, the overall setting of Habakkuk, uh, living during the time when the Babylonian Empire was about to strike and come and conquer uh, Judah. The sin of Judah was its strong idolatry and the permissive uh, morality that went with that, and... uh, The big question that Habakkuk had was how can God use a pagan nation much more evil than Israel to punish his chosen people? And uh, that's the theological dilemma that Habakkuk faced. So we dealt with that last time in a certain degree of detail. And today we want to continue and finish that discussion. Uh, The Lord has made a case against uh, Babylon too and uh, judgment will come upon her and so the word to all the nations was that uh, Yahweh should be worshipped the Lord the God of Israel he is enthroned in his temple and it bef- it befits silence as the judge has just handed down his ruling that's all in chapter 2 verse 20 we point out how several of those ideas and thoughts are continued in the book of Revelation the great silence in heaven, and then uh, the uh, enthronement of God in the temple uh, during the time of the (laughs) revelation and the time of the Antichrist and the great tribulation. So today we come to chapter 3. So tell us where we're headed today, John.
0: Well, chapter 3 is uh, Habakkuk's prayer of uh, reflection, and it's very interesting in chapter 3, verse 1, that uh, the Holy Spirit through Habakkuk identifies this with a prayer. And then there's some sort of strange reference here on Shigianoth, which uh, is an opportunity for the scholars to scratch their heads uh, because we're not sure exactly what that might be, a type of literature or or perhaps even uh, a a particular song or meter for a song. Uh, We just don't know. The only other place for it in the, in the in the Psalms is Psalm seven, and so it still remains a mystery. But regardless of what uh, is called here uh, by Habakkuk as a prayer, it is very much uh, in the form of a Psalm and draws heavily uh, upon the Psalms and also on Deuteronomy uh, thirty-three and Exodus fifteen. There's a there's a lot of stuff here that draws upon the history of the nation, but particularly the exodus and uh, the journey through the uh, surrounding uh, lands uh, into the land of promise. Uh, the, uh, the whole passage, uh, especially, uh, well, right up through the end uh, is very redemptive in nature. And uh, we can see in uh, verse 13, the purpose of uh, God's actions. It says there, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. And then many of its allusions, uh, frankly, will also be present in the day of the Lord, which is the Old Testament expression for what we call the end times. And therefore, it does have prophetic implications, and it is therefore really instructive to believers today.
1: Well, yes, and it's uh, very uh, significant as we go forward. We'll point out some of those parallels with the book of Revelation. I want to remind our listeners that uh, we best remember Habakkuk by his quotation several times in the New Testament of of, uh, chapter two, verse four, uh, which is a reminder of uh, how people actually find righteousness or a righteous standing before God. Uh, The proud one... uh, His soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. So Paul, the apostle quotes this, the book of Hebrews quotes this, uh, we are justified by faith. And it means that we have a standing of acceptance uh, before God and in Christ because of his righteousness. And we receive that standing by virtue of our faith. And what Habakkuk needed in his day To continue on in believing and have faith in what God was doing and how he was treating Israel and how he was going to use the Gentile nation of the Babylonians is as current to us today that we need to continue in faith. And the only way that we can find standing before God is accepting the gospel, believing the gospel, uh, knowing Christ as our Savior and being found in him. So again, with that background, uh, let's go forward with some of these uh, allusions that you find in chapter three.
0: Jim, what kind of uh, allusions do you find? You can, you can point them out uh, uh, particularly by verse. Uh, hopefully our readers will have their Bibles open to Habakkuk chapter three, and then uh, also perhaps uh, indicate their future fulfillments uh, as uh, expressed in the New Testament.
1: Sure. Uh, You know, just gazing along, (coughs) pardon me, uh, in chapter 3, verse 2, Habakkuk makes uh, the prayer to include his petition to the Lord. Revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. The great tribulation and the day of the Lord are known as the day of God's wrath. And uh, this is a great reminder that as even in the book of Revelation, God shows mercy in the midst of the day of wrath, uh, the day of judgment, when he allows his people to be protected and sealed from the judgment that he sends from heaven during that time. It's the counterpart to the seal of the Antichrist or the mark of the beast, as it is called. Uh, which identifies the rest of the world as belonging giving and giving allegiance to him. But God has his own seal and he will protect his people. He will remember them and not let them come under the mercy. I mean, under judgment and wrath. As Paul says, uh, we have been delivered from the wrath of God, we who are in Christ. Uh, looking down further into uh, the passage, <clears throat> verse five talks about pestilence and plague coming from him uh he uh startled the nations uh the perpetual mountains were shattered the ancient hills collapsed his ways are everlasting i'm reminded that in the sixth seal uh related in revelation chapter six the uh judgment uh that comes forward uh in that last seal is uh terrific uh catastrophes uh, earthquakes and uh, other great uh, tumults, so that people uh, cry out to the mountains as they hide themselves in caves and uh, holes in the ground that they would be uh, uh, hidden from the wrath of God and call out for those uh, to bury them alive. So what a tragic and uh, desperate situation uh, comes forward. And then the other judgments that follow uh, in the second half of the tribulation, namely uh, the trumpet judgments and the uh, final bowl judgments, include some of these same elements. Uh, the final uh, bowl judgment is the climax of the great tribulation, and there there's a combination of earthquakes and heavenly tumult. Uh, the sun, the moon, the stars are all disturbed. Uh, it is a day like no other day in the history of the world except perhaps uh, in comparison to the time of the Great Flood back in Genesis uh, 6 through 8. So this will culminate uh, human history on earth. And here there are uh, adumbrations of that or portents of it found in the book of Habakkuk.
0: Jim, I'm thinking about uh, verse 5, which is something that, that really has grabbed everybody's attention around the world. Uh, it says uh, in verse five, before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him already, even before we get to the tribulation, although there will be expressions of that that are monumental uh, during the tribulation, even before we've arrived at that point, we see uh, plague and pestilence. And that's something that particularly Jesus spoke about in the Olivet Discourse as it's recorded in Luke chapter 21, verse 11.
1: Yes, and you know, uh, these words uh, are very pertinent to us in the world today, dealing with the pandemic. It's just a reminder that uh, famines and uh, pestilences and uh, diseases such as this are all intended as portents of an intensified form of each of these in the Great Tribulation. Uh, Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 13 in two different examples people had complained to him about why is it that the tower of Siloam had fallen on people and killed them when they seemingly were innocent bystanders and then also why uh, Pilate had uh, mixed the blood of certain of their countrymen that is uh, had killed them why did this all happen and Jesus gives us a principle all these things that seemingly are uh, uh, catastrophes without uh, explanation are meant to point us toward the end. So he warns his listeners, unless you too repent, you also will perish. And so uh, the word to Americans and to other people in the world today is, in light of this pandemic, we need to repent, both as a people uh, in large, that is, as a country as a whole, and also individually. Uh because God is bringing a day of judgment and no one is able and going to be able to withstand it.
0: Jim, in in chapter 3, verse 11, we have uh, a reference to sun and moon standing still in the heavens and the glint of uh, God's uh, flying arrows at the lightning of this flashing spear. Uh, Tell us about the portents that will be... uh, fulfilled uh in the uh oh what shall i call them just just call them i guess signs of the heavens at the coming of christ
1: yes and i think we can begin with matthew 24 which you referred to already known as the olivet discourse jesus said that uh his coming is not going to be silent or secret or quiet as perhaps uh, many uh Others would teach today, other uh, people who have a different view of the end times. <clears throat> uh, but Jesus himself says uh, that his coming will be in power and great glory. So I'm going to read a few verses from uh, Matthew 24, which parallel what Habakkuk says. Uh, so Jesus says, I've told you in advance, uh, when people say that Christ has already come, that he may be out in the desert or in some other place, don't believe it. Uh, as though it's hidden from the majority because his coming is going to be as bright and bold as the lightning so he says in verse 27 for just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west so shall the coming of the son of man be and he goes on and says but immediately after the tribulation of those days the great tribulation the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky so uh, that's related also in the book of Revelation, that the sun, the moon, and the stars are all going to be shaken and uh, affected by the Lord's return and judgment at that final day. And Jesus goes on and says, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the sign, or rather the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Uh, He will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. So great uh, cataclysmic events, apocalyptic is appropriately uh, uh, used as the word. Uh, These are end time calamities and they signify the end of time. Uh, These are the times of the end. Uh, There's not going to be any further uh, delay in God's judgment no further put off of dealing with Gentile nations who are in rebellion against God would tear aside God's restraints upon them. uh, Restraints by conscience, by government, by rule, uh, by uh, other means that God uses. That time is coming to an end of uh, Gentile rebellion as Psalms two relates. And uh, the whole world will take notice and be brought to judgment. Uh, So that's a very, uh, So Habakkuk's words are very uh, telling and uh, have a focus not only for his own day and the immediate future coming up to him regarding the Babylonian conquest. uh, But reach far into the end times and to a far greater judgment. Now Habakkuk never lived to see these kinds of signs take place in the heavens. So in a sense, for the most part. Uh, these are symbolic words they are trying to express how great is the suffering going to come upon judah here are the most uh, uh, righteous people in the history of mankind righteous because god had given them the law and according to deuteronomy uh, 4 verses uh, 6 7 and 8 the gentile nations were to hear about uh, the righteous people and the righteous law that god had given and singled out for his people the jewish people and they were the most uh, chosen and uh, uh, respected people by God uh, in the history of all the nations. But here in Habakkuk, they are on the point of being taken into captivity. And even though that cap- captivity will end as prophesied by Jeremiah and as uh, prophesied also by Daniel and the subsequent empires of the world uh, are going to come forward. Nevertheless, uh All of this points to a greater uh, end-time event, which will culminate history, and time will come to an end as we know it now.
0: Jim, I'm noticing uh, a couple of things in verse 13, which I will read here. Uh, It says, you uh, came forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed And the second thing, and we've already referred to that as a deliverance of not only the saints, but deliverance of uh, the nation of Israel in the the end times. Uh, Of course, it's a reference back as as Habakkuk uses it uh, to the Exodus. But then also in the second half of verse 13, you struck the head of the house of evil to lay him open from thigh to neck, and it goes down in verse 14 to describe that and and i i'm thinking of the fulfillment in the end times of the lord of glory uh, bringing to judgment not only uh the beast uh or the antichrist but also uh him who lies behind uh the power of the antichrist that is the devil himself
1: well Yes, John, that's uh, very uh, important to talk about those matters. No, you know, uh, you mentioned the Exodus, and throughout uh, biblical history, the Exodus is appealed to, in fact, it becomes the basis for keeping the fourth commandment as expressed in Deuteronomy 5, where the repeat of the Ten Commandments is given. So the Exodus stands out as the greatest example of God's intervention on behalf of his people Israel, forming in a time of great uh, stress and difficulty, a people for himself and bringing them into the land of Israel for an everlasting possession. But the Exodus stands out as a great reminder. And the way that the Exodus occurs is through the 10 plagues brought upon Egypt. And uh, when we get to the book of revelation, several of those plagues, almost all of them are repeated and perhaps intensified as we come to the end of the age. Uh, We can think of even hail and fire and, uh, water turning into blood and so forth. All these things are mentioned there in the book of Revelation. And the question arises, well, are these really literal or are they, they just figurative for great events, terrible times and so forth? Well, they have to be literal in regards to Exodus because uh, all the scripture goes back to that event. <laughs> and that was the only way by which to explain that a nation was born in the midst of adversity in Egypt and comes out of the great people, numerous people known as Israel to possess the land of Canaan, they have to be literal to uh, to take that great place in history and in recognition and in memory. Well, if they're literal in the Old Testament, then the uh, plagues and the judgment to come at the end of the tribulation period are also literal. Uh, so great cataclysms are going to take, fe- take place uh, there, and they're going to be... Uh, aimed at the uh, kingdom of the Antichrist and his rule, the person who's going to step forward and pretend to be Christ, take his place and demand that worship be made of him universally. And uh, he'll he'll be the greatest example of evil, of an evil uh, person and kingdom to arise in the history of mankind. So as we pause and reflect upon the evil men who've come and gone on the stage of history, beginning with uh, perhaps even uh, some of the evil emperors of Rome, But even in our own uh, last hundred years or so, evidencing uh, those people who sought on one way or another to destroy Israel. um, I'm thinking, of course, of Hitler during World War II and so forth. The Antichrist is going to exceed them in his evil design. But God has his word for them. And the judgment, especially the bold judgments, are anchored or aimed at the uh, rule of the Antichrist. Great great uh, a great evil person and yet he's going to meet his end
0: well it's 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 a fulfillment of uh, that old adage that we have uh, in western culture what is past is prologue my notion jim is there's very uh, little in the way of god's future judgments uh that have not been previewed on a limited basis in his dealings with the gentile nations and and particularly, I suppose, in consequence to their treatment of Israel. And the major distinctions between its historic judgments and those to come are just their uh, future worldwide extent and their compressed frequency and their intensity. Yeah. Jim, could you read uh, the last uh, four verses of chapter three and we'll conclude here?
1: All right. So we come to uh, Habakkuk chapter three, uh, verse 16. I heard in my inward parts trembled at the sound of my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones and in my place I tremble because I wait patiently for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. That would be Babylon. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine. Though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the field, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Even though all those calamities take place, Habakkuk says this, yet I will exult, take joy in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation the Lord God is my strength, and He has made my feet like hinds' feet, and makes me walk on my high places. And then the final comment is that this is for the choir director on my string instruments, very much like the psalmist. Yep.
0: Yeah. There's uh there's two responses that uh we see here in these uh these verses, uh Jim. First is Habakkuk's emotional response. And I suppose it's a natural response. We naturally presume that peace and safety is best for us. Uh, It is certainly the most stable. And when it is threatened, it's our nature to respond with uh, anxiety and stress and all kinds of things. I once spoke to somebody who grew up in California and who'd seen wildfires and who'd seen uh, Scirocco winds and uh, all all other kinds of natural disasters, but he says, there's nothing, however, that's more disconcerting and uh, upsetting to your uh, fundamental nature than to be standing on a sidewalk and all of a sudden the earth begins to move underneath you. So that is a natural response. But then Habakkuk has a thoughtful response, and and I suppose we could say it's somewhat counterintuitive, and that's because it's not a natural response, it's a supernatural response. In spite of all of the difficulties that he knows are going to be coming upon him circumstantially, yet he will uh, exalt in the Lord and rejoice in the God of his salvation. Uh, I think it reflects some major New Testament principles, Uh, let me get to something. Uh, let me turn here to, uh, Philippians chapter four, Jim, and, uh, read a a great passage, uh, regarding perspective that Paul gives, uh, in chapter four, verses 11 through, uh, 13. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. And I know also how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need, uh, both of experiencing, if I may insert here, uh, peace and security and uh, uh, circumstantial tumult and disasters, like when a nation comes upon you. And then he finishes with this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And functionally, he's just repeating something that he learned personally uh, when he was taken up uh, to heaven and uh, whatnot. We read about that in 2 in, in Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, it's all about his uh, particular physical ailment that he intrigued the Lord to deliver him from. And the Lord says, no, this is a This is a great opportunity for me to express uh, my power in you. And down in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 12, Paul has this to say, Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul speaks precisely of what is at the root of Habakkuk's confidence, Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength, uh, and, and and that's a fundamental thing that is uh, applicable to saints of all ages. Yes. Let me uh,
1: well, go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead, and then I'll add some final comments. Okay, okay.
0: and I note that the picture of security that Habakkuk paints is based on the fact that Yahweh is his strength in the midst of devastation. Uh, He pictures himself as a mountain deer, and we think of a mountain deer or perhaps a mountain goat with uh, its fabulous sure-footedness and circumstances that mere men would find unbearably precarious. Uh, It's a lesson not just for the saints who will endure the tribulation, Jim, but also for those who will endure whatever God may bring as a prelude or warm up to it. And I can think of the security uh, in, that we have uh, in Christ that uh, that Jesus spoke of in John uh, 14 through 16. Uh, Habakkuk pictures that security uh, and that it proceeds from faith. And uh, it's a great lesson for us. Go ahead, Jim before we get to some final principles.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, I'm reminded of how even in the midst of uh, the book of Revelation, in the midst of all of the uh, trials and afflictions and suffering as evidences of God's wrath against humanity, there are periodic uh, uh, set-asides, periodic uh, uh, interventions in the text in which... uh, The saints are encouraged in such times as they will be living at that time. And I'm looking at one here uh, that deals with uh, the revelation of uh, Satan and his wrath against Israel, uh, who then turns against uh, the followers of Jesus on earth as well. And uh, John says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, even to mm. death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. But I wanted to stress particularly here uh, the delight of uh, the saints in heaven who are rejoicing because of uh, the climax coming to world history through the intervention of Jesus Christ and putting to an end once and for all uh, the archenemy of our souls, uh, Satan himself. You know, I was reading with my wife uh, just yesterday, the last devotion from uh, something we read every year, and it's called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Uh, And yesterday, uh, for the last day of the year, the last sentences of his uh, uh, reflections are worth quoting, I think, in light of the fact that our uh, nation uh, and the world has gone through such stress, both uh, physically, health-wise, economically, and many other ways, many other ways, including mental and social Mm -hmm. uh, disparities and uh, afflictions, Uh, Oswald Chambers writes these words that are especially appropriate to us, I think, is perhaps more so than ever before in U.S. history. And this is what he says. Let the past sleep, but let it sleep on the bosom of Christ. Hmm. Leave the irreparable past in his hands and step out into the irresistible future with him. We don't know what this coming year is going to uh, unfold, but we do know it is in his hands and that he's fulfilling a plan that he's laid out from the very beginning before the world were ever created uh, to exalt his son over the world, to bring him back uh, to this earth and to exalt the people who have trusted in him and give them a place with him in his uh, everlasting reign in the millennial kingdom. So I think this is a great uh, reminder and encouragement for us as we face a new year.
0: I agree. And uh really can't top that. And uh, we'll look forward to the next time that we can be together on this podcast.
1: Yes. And so uh, we conclude our reflections on the uh, book of Habakkuk, how significant he is, having written 700 or so, 600 or so years before Christ but is as pertinent and uh, practical for us today as as ever. God's unchanging nature <clears throat> is the uh, anchor of our faith and our courage day by day. Uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and yep. forever. Hebrews 13:8. Any final comments
0: John? Come Lord Jesus.
1: Yes. Maranatha. Ta- Mara O come. I
0: will look forward. Well, thank you, John.
1: and uh, Thanks for uh, being with us today on this All podcast. Right. Very
0: good. And bless you this coming year.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Hi, Jim. How are you? Happy New Year.
1: Well, Happy New Year to you. This is January the 1st, the beginning of a new year, at least by the calendar, although it <laughs> the continuation of yesterday, but nonetheless, it gives uh, people an opportunity to reflect upon uh, what has happened in the past and uh, uh, make certain changes in their lives if they want to or need to, and to go forward in the new year with a renewed uh, enthusiasm. Uh, We recently, that is my wife and I, recently concluded a series dealing with The hope, love, joy, and peace that accompany the uh, season of this year, Christmas season, and the meanings of all of those from a Christian perspective. And today we read about facing the new year and to uh, look forward to the Lord's blessing and that our hope might be strengthened, according to Romans 15, 13. In any case, uh, John, you and I started this podcast uh, episode, number 35, yesterday, Uh, dealing with the book of Habakkuk. I titled this, How Habakkuk the Prophet Speaks to Us Today. Little would we imagine that a somewhat obscure prophet among the minor prophets of the Old Testament, with a strange name, Habakkuk, uh, has a message as contemporary as uh, today's newspaper. But that is the case. And we began discussing that yesterday, and that was part one. So today we continue with episode 36, part two. Yesterday, we dealt with uh, the overall setting of Habakkuk uh, living during the time when the Babylonian Empire was about to strike and come and conquer uh, Judah. The sin of Judah was its strong idolatry and the permissive uh, morality that went with that. And uh, the big question that Habakkuk had was, how can God use a pagan nation much more evil than Israel? To punish his chosen people and uh, that's the theological d- dilemma that habakkuk faced so we dealt with that last time in certain a uh, certain degree of detail and today we want to continue and finish that discussion uh, the lord has made a case against uh babylon too and uh judgment will come upon her and so the word to all the nations was that uh, yahweh should be worshiped the lord the God of Israel. He is enthroned in this temple and it it befits silence as the judge has just handed down his ruling. That's all in chapter 2, verse 20. We point out how several of those ideas and thoughts are continued in the book of Revelation. The great silence in heaven and then uh, the uh, enthronement of God in the temple uh, during the time of the... Revelation and the time of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation. So today we come to chapter 3. So tell us where we're headed today, John.
0: Well, chapter 3 is uh, Habakkuk's prayer of uh, reflection. And it's very interesting in chapter 3, verse 1, that uh, the Holy Spirit through Habakkuk identifies this with a prayer. And then there's some sort of strange reference here on Shigianoth which uh, is a, 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 an opportunity for the scholars to scratch their heads uh, because we're not sure exactly what that might be a type of literature or, or perhaps even uh, a, a particular song or a meter for a song uh, we just don't know the only other place for it in the, in this in the Psalms is Psalm 7 and so it still remains a mystery but regardless of what uh, is called here uh, by Habakkuk as a prayer, it is very much uh, in the form of a psalm and draws heavily uh, upon the psalms and also on Deuteronomy uh, 33 and Exodus 15. There's a, there's a lot of stuff here that draws upon the history of the nation, but particularly the Exodus and uh, the journey through the uh, surrounding uh, lands uh, into the land of promise. Uh, the, uh, the whole passage, uh, especially, uh, well, right up through the end, uh, is very redemptive in nature. And uh, we can see in uh, verse 13, the purpose of uh, God's actions. It says there, you came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. And then many of its illusions, uh, frankly, will also be present in the day of the Lord, which is the Old Testament expression for what we call the end times. And therefore, it does have prophetic implications. And it is therefore really instructive to believers today.
1: Well, yes, and it's uh, very uh, significant as we go forward. We'll po- point out some of those parallels with the book of Revelation I want to remind our listeners that uh, we best remember Habakkuk by his quotation several times in the New Testament of of, uh, chapter two, verse four, uh, which is a reminder of uh, how people actually find righteousness or a righteous standing before God. Uh, The proud one, uh, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. So Paul, the apostle quotes this, the book of Hebrews quotes this, uh, we are justified by faith, and it means that we have a standing of acceptance uh, before God and in Christ because of his righteousness, and we receive that standing by virtue of our faith, and what Habakkuk needed in his day to continue on in believing and have faith in what God was doing and how he was treating Israel and how he was going to use the Gentile nation of the Babylonian is as current to us today that we need to continue in faith. And the only way that we can find standing before God is accepting the gospel, believing the gospel, uh, knowing Christ as our Savior and being found in him. So, again, with that background, uh, let's go forward with some of these uh, allusions that you find in chapter three.
0: Jim, what kind of allusions do you find? You can, you can point them out uh, uh, particularly by verse. I, hopefully our readers will have their Bibles open to Habakkuk chapter 3. And then uh, also perhaps uh, indicate their future fulfillments uh, as uh, expressed in the New Testament. Sure.
1: Uh, you know, just gazing along. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, In chapter three, verse two, Habakkuk makes uh, the prayer to include his petition to the Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make it known in wrath, remember mercy. The great tribulation and the day of the Lord are known as the day of God's wrath. And uh, this is a great reminder that as even in the book of Revelation, God shows mercy in the midst of the day of wrath, uh, the day of judgment, when he allows his people to be protected and sealed from the judgment that he sends from heaven during that time. It's the counterpart to the seal of the Antichrist or the mark of the beast, as it is called, uh, which identifies the rest of the world as belonging, giving and giving allegiance to him god has his own seal and he will protect his people he will remember them and not let them come under the mercy i mean under judgment and wrath as paul says uh, we have been delivered from the wrath of god we who are in christ uh looking down further into uh the passage verse five talks about pestilence and plague coming from him uh he uh, startled the nations uh the perpetual mountains were shattered, the ancient hills collapsed, his ways are everlasting. I'm reminded that in the sixth seal, uh related in Revelation chapter six, the uh, judgment uh that comes forward uh in that last seal is uh terrific uh catastrophes, uh, earthquakes and uh other great uh, tumults so that people Uh, cry out to the mountains as they hide themselves in caves and uh, holes in the ground that they would be uh, uh, hidden from the wrath of God and call out for those uh, to bury them alive. So what a tragic and uh, desperate situation uh, comes forward. And then the other judgments that follow uh, in the second half of the tribulation, namely, uh, the trumpet judgments and the uh, final bowl judgments include some of these same elements. Uh, The final uh, bowl judgment is the climax of the great tribulation. And there there's a combination of earthquakes and heavenly tumult. uh, The sun, the moon, the stars are all disturbed. Uh, It is a day like no other day in the history of the world, except perhaps uh, in comparison to the time of the great flood back in Genesis Uh, six through eight. So this will culminate uh, human history on earth. And here there are uh, adumbrations of that or portents of it found in the book of Habakkuk.
0: Jim, I'm thinking about uh, verse five, which is something that that really has grabbed everybody's attention around the world. Uh, It says uh, in verse five, before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him already, even before we get to the tribulation, although there will be expressions of that that are monumental uh, during the tribulation, even before we've arrived at that point, we see uh, plague and pestilence. And that's something that particularly Jesus spoke about in the Olivet Discourse as it's recorded in Luke chapter 21, verse 11.
1: Yes. And you know, uh Uh, These words uh, are very pertinent to us in the world today dealing with the pandemic. It's just a reminder that uh, famines and uh, pestilences and uh, diseases such as this are all intended as portents of an intensified form of each of these in the Great Tribulation. Uh, Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 13, in two different examples, people had complained to him about why is it that. The Tower of Siloam had fallen on people and killed them when they seemingly were innocent bystanders. And then also why uh, Pilate had uh, mixed the blood of certain of their countrymen, that is, uh, had killed them. Why did this all happen? And Jesus gives us a principle. All these things that seemingly are uh, uh, catastrophes uh, without explanation are meant to point us toward the end. So he warns. His listeners, unless you too repent, you also will perish. And so uh, the word to Americans and to other people in the world today is, in light of this pandemic, we need to repent, both as a people uh, in large, that is as a country as a whole, and also individually, Uh, because God is bringing a day of judgment and no one is able and going to be able to withstand
0: it. Jim, in uh, in chapter 3, verse 11, we have uh, a reference to sun and moon standing still in the heavens and the glint of uh, God's uh, flying arrows at the lightning of this uh, flashing spear. Uh, Tell us about the portents that will be uh, fulfilled uh, in the... uh, Oh, what shall I call them? Just, just call them, I guess, signs of the heavens at the coming of Christ.
1: Yes, and I think we can begin with Matthew 24, which you referred to already known as the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said that uh, his coming is not going to be silent or secret or quiet, as perhaps uh, many uh, others would teach today, other uh, people who have a different view of the end times. <clears throat> Uh, But Jesus himself says uh, that his coming will be in power and great glory. So I'm going to read a few verses from uh, Matthew 24, which parallel what Habakkuk says. Uh, So Jesus says, I told you in advance, uh, when people say that Christ has already come, that he may be out in the desert or in some other place. Don't believe it, uh, though it's hidden from the majority, because his coming is going to be as bright and bold as the lightning. So he says in verse 27, for just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And he goes on and says, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the great tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky. So uh, that's related also in the book of Revelation, that the sun, the moon, the stars are all going to be shaken and uh, affected by the Lord's return and judgment at that final day. And Jesus goes on and says, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the sign, or rather the Son of Man, coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Uh, he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. So great uh, cataclysmic events. Apocalyptic is appropriately. uh Uh, used as the word. Uh, These are end time calamities and they signify the end of time. Uh, These are the times of the end. Uh, There's not going to be any further uh, delay in God's judgment, no further put off of dealing with Gentile nations who are in rebellion against God, who would tear aside God's restraints upon them, uh, restraints by conscience, by government, by rule, uh, by... Uh, other means that god uses that time is coming to an end of uh, gentile rebellion as psalms 2 relates and uh, the whole world will take notice and be brought to judgment uh so that's a very uh so habakkuk's words are very uh telling and uh have a focus not only for his own day in the immediate future coming up to him regarding the babylonian conquest uh, but reach far into the end times and to a far greater judgment. Now Habakkuk never lived to see these kinds of signs take place in the heavens. So in a sense, for the most part, uh, these are symbolic words. They are trying to express how great is the suffering going to come upon Judah. Here are the most uh, uh, righteous people in the history of mankind, righteous because God has given them the law. And according to Deuteronomy uh, 4, Verses uh, 6, 7, and 8, the Gentile nations were to hear about uh, the righteous people and the righteous law that God had given and singled out for his people, the Jewish people, and they were the most uh, chosen and uh, uh, respected people by God uh, in the history of all the nations. But here in Habakkuk, they are on the point of being taken into captivity And even though that captivity will end, as prophesied by Jeremiah, and as uh, prophesied also by Daniel, and the subsequent empires of the world uh, are going to come forward, nevertheless, uh, all of this points to a greater end time uh, uh, event, which will culminate history, and time will come to an end as we know it now.
0: Jim, I'm noticing uh, a couple of things in verse 13, which I will read here. Uh, it says, you uh, came forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. And the second thing, and we've already referred to that as a deliverance of not only the saints, but deliverance of uh, the nation of Israel in the in the end times. Uh, of course, it's a reference back as Habakkuk uses it uh, to the Exodus. But then also in the second half of verse 13, you struck the head of the house of evil uh, to lay him open from thigh to neck. And it goes down in verse 14 to describe that. And and I, I'm thinking of the fulfillment in the end times of the Lord of glory uh, bringing to judgment not only uh, the beast uh, or the Antichrist, but also uh, him who lies behind uh, the power of the Antichrist, that is the devil himself.
1: Well, uh, yes, John, that's uh, very uh, important to talk about those matters. You Noel, know, uh, you mentioned the Exodus and throughout uh, biblical history, The Exodus is appealed to, in fact, it becomes the basis for keeping the fourth commandment as expressed in Deuteronomy 5, where the repeat of the Ten Commandments is given. So the Exodus stands out as the greatest example of God's intervention on behalf of his people Israel, forming in a time of great uh, stress and difficulty a people for himself and bringing them into the land of Israel for an everlasting possession. But the Exodus stands out as a great reminder. And the way that the Exodus occurs is through the 10 plagues brought upon Egypt. And uh, when we get to the book of Revelation, several of those plagues, almost all of them are repeated and perhaps intensified as we come to the end of the age. Uh, we can think of even hail and fire and uh the water turning into blood and so forth. All these things are mentioned there in the book of Revelation. And the question arises, well, are these really literal or are they, they just figurative for great events, terrible times and so forth? Well, they have to be literal in regards to Exodus because uh, all the scripture goes back to that event. <laughs> and that was the only way by which to explain that a nation was born in the midst of adversity in Egypt and comes out as a great people, numerous people known as Israel to possess the land of Canaan, they have to be literal to uh, to take that great place in history and in recognition and in memory. Well, if they're literal in the Old Testament, then the uh, plagues and the judgment to come at the end of the tribulation period are also literal. Uh, so great cataclysms are going to take, fe- take place uh, there, and they're going to be... Uh, Aimed at the uh, kingdom of the Antichrist and his rule, the person is going to step forward and pretend to be Christ, take his place and demand that worship be made of him universally. And uh, he'll he'll be the greatest example of evil, of an evil uh, person and kingdom to arise in the history of mankind. So as we pause and reflect upon the evil men who have come and gone on the stage of history, beginning with uh, perhaps even uh, some of the evil emperors of Rome. But even in our own uh, last 100 years or so, evidencing uh, those people who saw it on one way or another to destroy Israel. Um, I'm thinking, of course, of Hitler during World War II and so forth. The Antichrist is going to exceed them in his evil design. But God has his word for them. And the judgments, especially the bold judgment, are anchored or aimed at the uh, rule of the Antichrist. Great. Great, uh, a great evil person, and yet he's going to meet his end.
0: Well, it's 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 a fulfillment of uh, that old adage that we have uh, in Western culture: "What is past is prologue. My notion, Jim, is there's very uh, little in the way of God's future judgments uh, that have not been previewed on a limited basis in His dealings with the Gentile nations and and particularly, I suppose, in consequence to their treatment of Israel. And the major distinctions between its historic judgments and those to come are just their uh, future worldwide extent and their compressed frequency and their intensity. Yeah. Jim, could you read uh, the last uh, four verses of chapter three and we'll conclude here?
1: All right. So we come to uh, Habakkuk chapter three, uh, verse 16. I heard in my inward parts trembled at the sound of my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones and in my place I tremble because I wait patiently for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. That would be Babylon. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine. Though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the field, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Even though all those calamities take place, Habakkuk says this, yet I will exult, take joy in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation the Lord God is my strength, and He has made my feet like Hind's feet, and makes me walk on my high places. And then the final comment is that this is for the choir director on my string instruments, very much like the psalmist. Yep.
0: Yeah. There's uh, there's two responses that uh, we see here in these uh these verses, uh, Jim. First is Habakkuk's emotional response. And I suppose it's a natural response. We naturally presume that peace and safety is best for us. Uh, It is certainly the most stable. And when it is threatened, it's our nature to respond with uh, anxiety and stress and all kinds of things. I once spoke to somebody who grew up in California and who'd seen wildfires and who'd seen uh, Scirocco winds and uh, all all, all other kinds of natural disasters. But he says, there's nothing, however, that's more disconcerting and uh, upsetting to your uh, fundamental nature than to be standing on a sidewalk and all of a sudden the earth begins to move underneath you. So that is a natural response. But then Habakkuk has a thoughtful response, and and I suppose we could say it's somewhat counterintuitive. And that's because it's not a natural response, it's a supernatural response. In spite of all of the difficulties that he knows are going to be coming upon him circumstantially, yet he will uh, exalt in the Lord and rejoice in the God of his salvation. Uh, I think it reflects some major New Testament principles, Uh, let me get to something. Uh, Let me turn here to uh, Philippians chapter four, Jim, and uh, read a a great passage uh, regarding perspective that Paul gives uh, in chapter four, verses 11 through uh, 13. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know also how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need, uh, both of experiencing, if I may insert here, uh, peace and security and uh, uh, circumstantial tumult and disasters like when a nation comes upon you. And then he finishes with this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And functionally, he's just repeating something that he learned personally uh, when he was taken up uh, to heaven and uh, whatnot. We read about that in 2 in, in Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, it's all about his uh, particular physical ailment that he intrigued the, the Lord to deliver him from. And the Lord says, no, this is a... This is a great opportunity for me to express uh, my power in you. And down in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 12, Paul has this to say, Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul speaks precisely of what is at the root of Habakkuk's confidence. Yahweh, the Lord is my strength, Uh, and and that's a fundamental thing that is uh, applicable to saints of all ages. Yes. Let me uh,
1: go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead, and then I'll add some final comments. Okay, okay,
0: and I note that the picture of security that Habakkuk Paints is based on the fact that Yahweh is his strength in the midst of devastation. Uh, he, he pictures himself as a mountain deer, and we think of a mountain deer or perhaps a mountain goat with uh, its fabulous sure footedness and circumstances that mere men would find unbearably precarious. Uh, it's a lesson not just for the saints who will endure the tribulation, Jim but also for those who will endure whatever God may bring as a prelude or warm up to it. And I can think of the security uh, and that we have uh, in Christ that, uh, that Jesus spoke of in John uh, 14 through 16. Uh, Habakkuk pictures that security uh, and that it proceeds from faith. And uh, it's a great lesson for us. Go ahead, Jim before we get to some final principles.
1: Yes, Uh, well, I'm reminded of how, even in the midst of uh, the book of Revelation, in the midst of all of the uh, trials and afflictions and suffering uh, as evidences of God's wrath against humanity, there are periodic uh, uh, set-asides, periodic uh, uh, interventions in the text in which, The saints are encouraged in such times as they will be living at that time. And I'm looking at one here uh, that deals with uh, the revelation of uh, Satan and his wrath against Israel, uh, who then turns against uh, the followers of Jesus on earth as well. And uh, John says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, even to mm. death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. But I wanted to stress particularly here uh the delight of uh, the saints in heaven who are rejoicing because of uh, the climax coming to world history through the intervention of Jesus Christ and putting to an end once and for all uh, the archenemy of our souls, uh, Satan himself. You know, I was reading with my wife uh, just yesterday, the last devotion from uh, something we read every year and it's called my utmost for his highest by Oswald chambers. Uh, and yesterday uh, for the last day of the year, the last sentences of his uh, uh, reflections are worth quoting, I think, in light of the fact that our uh, nation uh, and the world has gone through such stress, both uh, physically, health-wise, economically, and many other ways, many other ways, including mental and social Mm -hmm. uh, disparities and uh, affliction, Uh, Oswald Chambers writes these words that are especially appropriate to us, I think, is perhaps more so than ever before in U.S. history. And this is what he says. Let the past sleep, but let it sleep on the bosom of Christ. Mm. Leave the irreparable past in his hands and step out into the irresistible future with him. We don't know what this coming year is going to uh, unfold, but we do know it is in his hands and that he's fulfilling a plan that he's laid out from the very beginning before the world were ever created uh, to exalt his son over the world, to bring him back uh, to this earth and to exalt the people who have trusted in him and give them a place with him in his uh, everlasting reign in the millennial kingdom. So I think this is a great uh, reminder and encouragement for us as we face a new year.
0: I agree. And I really can't top that. And uh, we'll look forward to the next time that we can be together on this podcast.
1: Yes. And so uh, we conclude our reflections on the uh, book of Habakkuk, how significant he is, having written 700 or so, 600 or so years before Christ that is as pertinent and uh practical for us today as as ever. God's unchanging nature <clears throat> is the uh, anchor of our faith and our courage day by day. Uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and yep. forever. Hebrews 13:8. Any final comments John?
0: Come Lord Jesus.
1: Yes. Maranatha. Maranatha will come.
0: I will look forward. Well, thank you, John,
1: and thanks for being with us today on this podcast. Very
0: good, and bless you this coming year.
1: Bye-bye.